Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Aaron Summers, joined by John DeShazer. We've been wrapping up the Saints season. It feels like it ended so long ago, but it was a season that also felt like it was one of the longest seasons I think that any of us had to cover in the NFL. We're going to have Mike Triplett on to join us today from ESPN to maybe give a few thoughts about the season and then where we're looking to go over the next few weeks, months. I mean, the draft is going to be right around the corner and then we're going to be back at it and hopefully uh healthier and uh safer hard to imagine (laughs) hard to imagine them not being healthier this last year exactly it's funny when you you talk about how long the season was i think sean payton had had the line of the year when he said that hurricane evacuation to dallas felt like two and a half years ago he was he was dead dead on accurate with that one it was. I mean, and I I wasn't there, but I know that John spent some lovely time in the Dallas area and enjoyed every second of it. Fort Worth, I'll be paying taxes there this year. I was there long enough. <laughs> <laughs> After the way that the season started and then the way that they were able to end up with an over 500 record, I mean – we have to kind of look at the positives that came out of this season. Some of the players that did well, the growth that we saw in some areas, despite the injuries, despite COVID and a lot of the circumstances kind of just looking at it as an overall picture, what are, is your biggest takeaway from this past season? Well, I think the biggest takeaway is that this team can win without Drew Brees. And despite all the major salary cap issues, I mean, those are big question marks. Uh, we had we had you know uh, you know Jeff Duncan did this poll of all the local media back in August. What do you think the Saints' record is going to be this year? And that was before, yeah, <laughs> you know everything fell on their heads. That was just based on um, you know Michael Thomas's injury and uh, David Onyemata's suspension and uh, um, maybe Will Lutz's injury at the time, and, and obviously Drew Brees retiring and and then all the cap. Uh, cuts that they had to make uh and a lot of people were predicting them to only win six seven games in in that you know and that didn't say oh by the way they're gonna have so many injuries this year that they set the nfl record for starters used in a season and they're gonna go four games without alvin Kamara and uh you know 10 games without Jameis winston the entire season without michael thomas and i think really one of the uh the most underrated of all was when they lost to ron armstead and Ryan Ramchek at the same time. That's when we saw Trevor Simeon couldn't do anything. Taysom Hill couldn't do anything. Ian Book certainly couldn't do anything. Um, uh, that that was almost the biggest doozy of them all. Uh, and yet they still finished nine and eight because the defense is so good. The coaching staff is so good. Uh, Alvin Kamara is so good. So much talent spread around this team that, yeah, if you give them a little more cap space to work with this year and a healthier roster, uh, I think it'd be a disappointment if they're not a playoff team in 2022. You bring up the quarterback situation without Drew Brees. I think we're kind of back in the same situation here. Not very sure who that quarterback is going to be. There was a competition leading up to the start of the season this past year. Um, Question mark there for sure. You brought up the salary cap as well. That's another area that's going to take some attention over this offseason. Where do you see both of those areas kind of going over? Yes, we are. We are right back in the same boat as last year. Um, with those two being the biggest question marks. Uh, and then I, I guess I would put Michael Thomas's status right there because, uh, you know, missed an entire season 
if you get you get him back and you get him playing like he played before, what a, what a boon that'll be. But yeah, quarterback. Look, I, I have to imagine that everyone in the Saints building, when they start to evaluate this roster and make their plans going forward, that is plan number one. And I think all options will be on the table. I do think they will try to find out if Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and whoever else are available, Jimmy Garoppolo are available via trade. I think they will look at all free agent options like Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater, who are familiar to them, among others. I think they will look hard at the draft. They have to. I mean, that's everything. But I, I think there's a good base to work with, which is I think, you know, you can win with Jameis Winston if you bring him back. I would consider him the front runner. Um, and if not Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, I think they'll both be in the same range of price. And that is the, if you just want to pay a guy, maybe that second or third tier salary, not give up any draft picks. But uh, I think they'll also shoot for the moon and consider everything, including who's the best quarterback we could trade for and, and how far up into the top 10 could we trade if we love a quarterback in this year's draft. Yeah. I mean, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about Kenny Pickett um, and what he, he may be able to do in the, at the NFL level, obviously very impressive as a, a collegiate quarterback. Is that something that you think the saints might be interested in? Yeah, look, it, absolutely. The number one plan for any team is draft your quarterback because you know, you, you, you immediately get him on a five-year contract and get him on a cheap five-year contract. There is a long list of teams that have been successful with, you know, getting to the Super Bowl, building around their cheap, quarterback that that they drafted that was a superstar um the problem with drafting a quarterback is you can't just say draft a quarterback period you know it's not like fantasy football like i'm going to take my quarterback in round three and i will choose between these great guys the saints have proven over the years even when there were years when it would have been a good idea to draft a quarterback you have to love the guy to want to draft him and they all go in the first round, they all probably go 10 spots higher than they should. So if you're sitting there at 18 and you're like, yeah, we'll take whatever quarterback is there. It just doesn't work that way. The Saints will probably like one, maybe two quarterbacks in this year's draft class. And maybe those quarterbacks will go second and third overall. You know, they might not be anywhere near them with the 18th pick. So it really takes a perfect storm to both find a quarterback you love and be in position to draft him. And that's going to be really hard for the Saints to do this year, especially since it seems like a lot of draft analysts aren't really high on the depth of this class. Yeah, I'm always interested in seeing whether or not a veteran team like the Saints would draft a rookie quarterback because those veteran players want it now. And a rookie quarterback generally takes some time to develop. But, but Mike, um, this year's team, circle back. Yeah. Be your MVP, not, not the media MVP, because we know that was out. <laughs> it might be the same guy. <laughs> no, I got I got I got to do a little self-profession here. I did not vote Alvin as my media guy because he missed the four games. I held that against him, unfortunately. <laughs> Most forthright guy on the team, but I held that against him. I will not um, say that to Alvin's face, but I did hold it against him. So why wasn't he doing interviews with you during his four weeks off? That's what, that's what we need to get to the bottom. Exactly. Um, well, I took that four week gap into consideration, but who, who was it? Who was your, you know, MVP? there was a time in late December when I actually had to assign MVP to the team uh, for ESPN, like during our power rankings. And I did give it to Alvin Kamara um, because I had trouble distinguishing the individual defensive players from each other. I, I think my write-up said, it's impossible, you know, it seems impossible not to give this to a defensive player. The defense as a whole was everything for this team this year, but especially the way they ended with those last five games. 
I, I'm going to switch it and, and give it to – got to give it to a defensive player. I'll give it to Demario Davis, uh, just a superstar on the field, but also the way he's become the leader of the team in the post-Drew Brees era. you got to obviously make a case for Marshawn Lattimore, uh, the way he locked down that spot all year long, Cameron Jordan, the way he finished the season, Marcus Way. I mean, there's so many defensive players who could be deserving, but I'll give it to Demario Davis on, on behalf of that unit that was just so outstanding this year. Now, Mike, senior bowl's coming up. Are you are you going to be in Mobile? I will be for at least part of it. Yeah, yeah, a frosty Mobile as always. Now, what? Because because the Saints, you know, for the most part, they draft a decent amount of underclassmen. Uh, so, what do you feel they gain from from going to Mobile? I mean, there, I know there's obviously a lot. They've of tra- yeah, they have a pretty good history. You know, uh, actually, as you say it, I should probably begin a research study of who's drafted the most senior bowl players, and and maybe that is something I will do this year, but. You know, I mean, immediately, you know, Marcus Davenport and Sheldon Rankins come to mind as first-round picks that were there. Um, I'm trying to think. Was Peyton Turner there last year? I should know. Uh, <laughs> I should know all this well, stuff. Done, done, but I feel like they've done, done a decent that. job of, of drafting guys that they've seen there at the Senior Bowl. But, yeah, there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it, they're, they're, to where they – you know, steadfastly say we, we want seniors or we want guys we saw at the senior bowl versus, uh, uh, underclassmen, you know, uh, they'll, uh, they'll take them from, they'll take them from big colleges. They'll take them from small colleges. They'll take them from different countries. They'll take them from, uh, you know, assumption college or, uh, uh David Onimata from Canada. Um, uh, uh, so they'll find the best player, uh, in a, in a lot of different areas, but they'll do it by being incredibly thorough. And the senior bowl is one of the best hands-on opportunities to do, do that every year. So they usually bring out, I, I, you know, there's been limitations because of COVID to how many people you could bring there, but t- in a typical year, they'll have the entire coaching staff there. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of draft, classes and draft picks who was the Saints best? probably by default who was the Saints best draft pick this year well I think you you could there's a really good argument to be had between Pete Werner and Paulson Adebo I I guess I would give it to Adebo because he uh you know more value since he was a third round pick and Werner was a second round pick but also uh, they spent the entire offseason making it clear that cornerback was was their most urgent priority that they needed to fill. They tried to trade all the way up into the top 10 of the draft to get a starting corner and weren't able to do that. They didn't find anyone they liked in free agency. So week one, they trade uh, a third round pick and pay a lot of money for Bradley Roby. And he couldn't unseat Adebo in that job. They split time. Uh, but uh, but for considering the importance of that job, uh, and the way Adebo played this year, uh, I think you got to give it to him. But Werner, Werner also uh, definitely lived up to his draft status, even though I think people were like, don't we already have a ton of linebackers on this team? Why are we drafting another one? He rose above of the crop there and, and, and you know, played an important role for this team. Yeah, he looked like he's going to be a pretty good, pretty good player for, for a long time for the Saints. Now, I'm, I'm going to allow Mike to frame this in his own, in his own way because I don't want to screw it up. So, Mike, <laughs> an article – uh, officiating and calls and whatnot. So yeah. I'm going to turn the floor over to Mike because, again, I don't want to frame this improperly since, you know, I might still be a little bit salty about a missed call. <laughs> There's a lot. Well, <laughs> here's, the, here's the, here's the, I don't, funny is not the right word, but uh, the uh, ironic uh, thing is I was working on this article already and we were deciding when to run it. And it, it just so happened that we were like talking about, well, Thursday, Friday. And, and, and I was like, oh, well, Thursday is the three year anniversary of the uh, the uh, 
lack of most infamous missed call in <laughs> NFL history. Um, so, you know, why not the symmetry of running it on Thursday? But um, yeah, just this, you know, absurd trend. Um, the Saints have now finished in the bottom three in the NFL, including last place two years in a row in penalties called against their opponents. Um, you know, and I, the story is mostly ESPN stats and information driven. Uh, talked to a former official, got, you know, a quote from a league source. But um, it's, it's not full of accusations or anything, but it's just presenting basically on top of everything else that we laid out that the Saints had to deal with this year. Uh, hurricane evacuations and injuries and COVID issues. They also have been, you know, playing against the stack deck for whatever reason um, for four years in a row where they're they're the fewest penalties called against their opponents. Um, And and when you add the four years together, it's like 50 fewer penalties than any other team. So um, no other team has had a streak like that, uh, as you would imagine, as far back as we could research in history. Now there have been, other cases of teams, and it's not just, you know, the Saints are a good team, happens to bad teams. Uh, the Green Bay Packers finish in the bottom 10 the last four years in a row, too. Um, you know, so, you know, but there's a difference between finishing <laughs> bottom three and bottom one and, and just bottom 10. But uh, so it's, you know, the, the numbers were so eye-popping that it was worth laying them out and saying, you know, look, look, what, look at yet another thing the Saints have had to try and overcome in recent years. I think it was the late uh, basketball Hall of Famer, John Thompson, Georgetown fame, who said uh, it's not paranoia if they really are to get you. So (laughs) I'll leave that that there. But but look, I mean, you joke about that, but it is always tough to decide. All right. When when is it right to be like, okay, you know, this team lost the game or this team, you know, um, um, wasn't able to win because of penalties, because. As soon as you do that, 31 other fan bases will raise their hand. Oh, yeah? What about what happened to my team? And you see it, I mean, when it doesn't happen to the Saints, there were a couple calls this year that went against the Saints, a couple personal fouls, and one in Tennessee really stands out uh, as one that really changed the tide of a game. But when it when when the Saints aren't the team where you're talking about officials on Monday, well, all you have to do is scroll through Twitter, and they're talking about, you know, look at the playoffs this past weekend, you know, the inadvertent whistle in the uh, Bengals-Raiders game and the uh, – um, you know, the way the Cowboys game ended, uh, you know, trying to get the ball down. So it, it's, it seems like some fan base has, has a case to make. So it needs to be pretty extraordinary to rise above the noise and just sound like, oh, whatever, this happens to every team. This is something that's happening to the Saints that's not happening to every team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm in Dallas right now, uh, and I've been, been hearing it from the Cowboys fan base for sure oh. after that game. Yeah, yeah, I mean – uh, well, and, and look, he, he, this is going off on another tangent, but, um, you know, the one thing I couldn't stand after the NFC championship game three years ago is how so many people were quick to point out. Yeah, but that's not the only reason why the Saints lost. They also did this. They also did this. They also did this. They also, you know, and I'm like, yeah, it's really hard to win games. Like mm-hmm. there's a reason why even Aaron Rodgers has only been to one Super Bowl that, you know, a lot of teams. You know, you need everything to go right to get to a Super Bowl or to make the playoffs. And when something goes so wrong, uh, that's why it frustrates people so much. Yeah, exactly. Aaron just mentioned the Dallas fans. And the difference is, Aaron, that Dallas fans are whiners. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) was there a singular game, play, theme, anything about the, the, the 2021 season 
for the Saints that stood out for you that kind of marks the season? Well, yeah. Look, it, here's the one thing I would say for better and for worse. First of all, you go back to that New York Giants game in week four, was it? Um, they could play that game 19 more times and they'd win it all 19. That was almost impossible to lose that game. Uh, double digits with seven minutes to go. Like every single thing that went wrong had to go wrong for them to lose that game. So that one game alone obviously stands out. And then there was the Atlanta game two weeks later where they lost in the final seconds by giving up that deep pass. Nine times out of 10, you probably don't do that. But it, at least Atlanta had been leading that whole game and the Saints came back and, and almost took it away in the final seconds. Tennessee game a week later, they easily could have won. But there aren't a ton of those. Uh, for the most part, the Saints dominated the games they won and they got pretty obliterated in the games they lost. So I think we're looking at a at a nine and eight team that, that could have been 11 and five. They probably would have been a wild card team instead of, a, you know, I, I don't think we were looking at a, a, you know, a team that almost went 14 and three this season. Um, but if they were healthy, uh, if they were healthy, you never know. If Jameis Winston had stayed healthy, I think they do win a couple more games. Certainly if Teron Armstead or Ryan Ramchuk stayed healthy, they could win a couple more games. Um, so it, it is, I mean, we started by saying this, the fact that they were nine and eight with the just litany of things <laughs> that they had to deal with. Um, I, I think uh, it does not take any sort of leap to say this probably felt like it should have been an 11 and 16 that, that was playing in the wild card round and maybe could have done what the 49ers did. And speaking of the wild card, you know, games that happened and coming into some more games this weekend, what teams do you like? Who do you think's kind of going to be there in the end in the next few weeks? How about, how about the Rams? I'm sure, I'm sure the entire Saints <laughs> fan base loves seeing the Rams play this perfect game the other night when all they had to do was hold on to a 17 point lead to help the Saints out a week earlier. Um, but, uh, they look pretty good. Look, I mean, the Packers are going to be hard to beat with home field advantage, the rest that they've gotten, the quarterback that they have, uh, I'm going to pick the Packers to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC, but I think all four of these games are about as 50, 50 as you can get for four games at this, at this stretch of the year. Um, Bill's chiefs, uh, they might have the two highest ceilings of any team in the playoffs. And here they are playing now. Like if you tell me you're getting every team's best game, those two might have the best, best games of any team in the league. So that's, that's obviously the one to watch this weekend. Yeah. It was a interesting weekend of football last weekend. Some of those games just, you would have thought, or there were a wanted, lot of not good games. <laughs> right. You wanted a little more competitive games. I will say this though, here, give me another tangent to go on. Uh, so many people came out like, oh, there's too many playoff teams. Get rid of these seven seeds or whatever. Does everyone realize the alternative is they would have just given the two seeds a bye? It's still at least better to watch them have to beat the seven seed. They all did beat the seven seed. Good for them. But, you know, if you want more football, uh, uh, you know, it, it's not like you would have gotten better games. You would have just had the two seed automatically go to the second round instead of beat up on a seven seed to get there. Every once in a while, there's going to be a seven seed that breaks through. Could have been the Saints this year. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were talking about, you know, obviously on Twitter, the fan base saying the Saints would have provided a better game if they got in than some of these other matchups. And, and obviously, we've talked about the fans and their bias. In different ways, <laughs> so I get it. it would have been yeah, I mean, it, we didn't make a big deal of it, but 
back to John's question earlier, when the Saints went to Philadelphia and lost. I mean, that turned out to be uh, the difference between who, who the seventh seed in the playoff was. And Saints weren't very competitive in that game. Unfortunately, that was one of those games when they didn't have, I, I believe they didn't have Ramchek, Armstead, or Kamara. And that was a dark stretch for the Saints. Five-game losing streak. We haven't seen anything like that in the Peyton era, um, the entire Peyton era. We've seen some seven and nine seasons. We've never seen a five-game stretch where not only did they lose five straight games, for a while there when they had all those injuries, uh, you know, they, they they weren't even close in a couple of those games. Yeah. I mean, they don't lose back-to-back games that often. Yeah, you're right. That so. was a that was a that was a very uncharacteristic stretch for this team, which made it all the more, I guess, rewarding and, and optimistic to finish by winning four of the last five. And the only loss being the one when they were missing 20 guys because of COVID. That very easily could have been a five-game win streak to end the season. Yeah, I know we have talked about a few players, but in that one game that you mentioned, uh, Ian Book and his abilities at quarterback, I know a lot of people liked him heading into the season and putting him out there in that situation isn't ideal, but, you know, he is somebody that they picked up last year and we've kind of talked about moves that they might need to make in the quarterback position this upcoming year. Where do you think things stand with him? Well, I, I don't think he's going to be in the conversation to be the starting quarterback, but it is really interesting to, you know, whether you go with Russell Wilson or Jameis Winston or Teddy Bridgewater, do you think, all right, Ian Book will be that number two that Trevor Simeon was this year, or do you want to bring back Trevor Simeon in that role and, and, and almost red shirt book again, that's a decision they're going to have to make this offseason. And maybe, maybe they're both in camp competing for that role all the way uh, through August. You, you didn't even say Taysom Hill. Well, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Taysom, Taysom's never the number two on game day. If he's not starting at quarterback, he's playing, you know, the receiver tight end running back role. Uh, If the starter gets hurt for a stretch of five or six weeks, then maybe you turn to Taysom, which we saw them do this year. But how they always want to have a number two on game day, how it was Winston a couple years ago, Simeon this year. That's what I meant. Yeah, not to shortchange Taysom Hill. I I don't expect Taysom Hill to go into the year as their plan as the starting quarterback. But certainly if there's an injury, he could be the guy that ends up doing it long-term again. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a great option to have in-house. So is he going to have to change his body type again, kind of gain some more weight? I think, I, I mean, I would think that last year was his best shot to, to go all in at quarterback, try to win the starting quarterback job. Um, and I would think he is, would more likely have to, you know, think the more likely plan is, is what we've seen. Uh, for the course of his career, but he shouldn't give up on trying to win the starting quarterback job. I mean, it, it's certainly not out of his grasp. I mean, we, we know they've turned to him. They turned to him this year um, for, for a long stretch and he would probably, any one of them would be more successful behind a healthy offensive line with Michael Thomas to throw to. And, and, you know, um, so it, I, I'm not, I'm not writing, uh, writing him off for the future, but I, I would say, I would have a hard time expecting them to go into training camp the exact same way they did last year where it's a exact 50-50 competition. But I guess it depends on who they bring in. And, and if it is Jameis Winston, depends how much he's doing uh, recovering from the ACL and when he's back to 100% full speed too. So a lot of question marks yeah. at the most important position on the field. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's kind of one of those ready situations because, you know, in the, it's the NFL, guys get hurt. Yeah, um, absolutely. And- the Saints were fortunate with Drew Brees for so long for, you know, the first 13 of his 15 seasons, he didn't get hurt. In, in the last two, he got injured and that kind of thing. But now uh, it's just kind of commonplace where you better you better have two guys you feel pretty good about. 
No, without absolutely without question. Two or three <laughs> or four. They used four this year. <laughs> I know. Gosh, what oh, a year. Man. What didn't happen this year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I, I guess, you know, I like statistics, probability. So things are looking good mm-hmm. as far as the officiating for us next season. You can't continue this. Oh, yeah. It's got to balance out, right? I mean, once. <laughs> Once you finish in the bottom three, four years in a row, I, it was funny though. Look, there were a lot of examples in that story of teams. You know, I, I had this whole chart, but I didn't use, you know, 26, 28, 24, you know, a lot of teams that were, you know, in the twenties every year, or whatever. but Tampa Bay was, was, was a perfect example of what you'd almost expect. Uh, they, they tied with the saints this year. So everybody thinks everything goes Tom Brady's way. Tampa Bay's opponents had the fewest penalties called against them in the NFL this year, tied with the Saints. But Tampa Bay's like rankings each year were like 31, 3, 28, 3, uh, 33. <laughs> like, I mean, it was like random all over the map, which is probabilities and statistics. You would yeah. think that's what it would look like when it comes to opponents' penalties. Well, we'll check in with you again after next season and you can dive into all those. Yeah, we'll see. Where, <laughs> you know, see, now people will follow along all year, I'm sure. Week yeah. by where are they? Well, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Where can we find some of your stuff? I know, obviously, very active on Twitter and on ESPN. Yeah, you can always find my stuff on Twitter at Mike Triplett. But uh, um, what ESPN does, I mean, there's one of me in every single market. There's a, a full-time reporter in uh, uh, for every NFL team at ESPN and a page dedicated to each team. So uh, you can just go to ESPN and, and click on the Saints and see everything we do with the Saints there. So. Perfect. Thank you again, John. Thanks for hanging out as well. Appreciate you doing this podcast with me. Almost almost every time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I got to correct Trip though. He said there's one of me in every market. There's only Mike Trip. There is no other you. I already agreed to come on the show. You didn't even have to. (laughs) (laughs) We're buttering you up for next time. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. This has been the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Erin Summers, and we'll talk to you again next week.